Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another fabulous installment of Matt and Dennis, the Matt and Dennis podcast. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Matt Scrano. I'm joined alongside, as always, by my good friend, my upcoming groomsman, my good buddy and co-host, Mr. Dennis Vinci. Dennis, welcome back. Uh, good Tuesday evening to you. What's going on? How are you? Good Tuesday to you as well, Mateo. Doing well? Another day? Living the dream? As you said, groomsman, day's getting closer. Closer by the minute. Getting cold feet? Having nervous thoughts? Mm-hmm. Very much so. Essentially, 24 days left. Uh, as you having today. a regular bowel movement? Everything all right? Not getting antsy in the pantsy? Um, there's been some recent irregular bowel movements, but mainly self-induced. Oh, mainly, okay. Been there. Mainly based on what the diet was either that day or the previous, so it's... Courtesy of Anheuser Anheuser Busch, been there. That and and like at least three or four different boardwalk slices in Wildwood. I was in Wildwood this past weekend. So oh, that's right. How was it after you watched uh, your team just get absolutely throttled? Terrible weather. I mean, did you even have fun? I did have fun. No, I absolutely had fun, and I think I had fun because going into it, I knew I knew we were going to get throttled. It's I I knew we really didn't stand a chance. Um. I mean, credit to those guys. They they kept it somewhat close up to half. They got a touchdown late. And then second half. And I, I was really there for the camaraderie. I have not been to a Temple home game in a long time. The president, as I talked about, passed away. Joe Klecko was there, uh, and they honored him as the first Temple football player inducted into the Football Hall of Fame. So it was like kind of like a sad ceremony, then a happy, joyful ceremony. And Joe Klecko walked right by me. The, the mascot waved to me. I got to go to an old bar, the Falladium, that uh, I would go to with the family, uh, like for wings before Philadelphia sporting events, like years ago when I was like 15. So I popped back in there um, for a pregame beer, popped into the new like the Xfinity Live area where all the bars are that all the Philly fans go to. And then that was really cool. To, I mean, the worst of the storm was pretty much done. It was really windy during the game and it poured like during the national anthem. But aside from that, aside from a couple like moments of like the rain just drizzling here and there, it really wasn't that bad. It wasn't like just torrential the whole time. Like I thought it would be just dreary, just annoying. And then it got to the third quarter. Miami came out guns a blazing in the third. So at that point I was like, you know what? The Phillies are playing across the street. I haven't been there in a while. Well, I was going to say, try to walk me through it because you texted us a picture of you at Citizens Bank Park, like in, in only Matt Scarano fashion. Would someone go to a city in which he no longer lives, go to a football game? That's the reason you're there. Leave that football game and then attend a baseball game. The best the best part about the football game, and I, I, played, I, I played my hand very well, so I, I go to the game and then two friends of mine, that I went to Temple with, um, they have Temple season tickets. And they'd reached out to me about selling their tickets. Beautiful seats. And I was like, oh, that sounds awesome, but I already got my tickets. I'll ask around and see if like anyone else needs them. And then it got like to an hour before game time, and I was like, listen, I don't need your tickets because I still have mine. I just bought the cheapest one to get me into the building. But if you don't sell those, I will gladly sit in your seats. Like, we're good friends. And they were like, yeah, no one, just, just take them. I was like, okay. And so I'm literally two rows behind the bench. Just, it was awesome. It was like, like really good seats. And then it gets to the third quarter and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to look at these Philly seats. So keep in mind, I used their seat to get into the stadium. 
So I had never scanned my actual ticket that I bought myself. So I, I'm like, all right, this game's over. It's like 30 to 7. There's more Miami fans there here than there are Temple fans. So I $6 for Philly seats. Same thing. I don't even know where my actual seat is. I'm just going to go into the upper deck where no one's sitting. But the winds are whipping up there in the upper deck. I got a beer. I got Lauren, uh, social media manager Lauren. A uh, Lauren, can you pass me that really quick? What? The, the, uh, that little green blob right there? Yes, I can. Nice okay. catch. That was a terrible pass. Well, I got Lauren this because she always talks about the Philly fanatic. Uh, our fans can't see or listeners. Gonna can't say you're see. gonna have to describe what you're holding. I can see it, but it's a Phily fanatic that I got at the uh, at the stadium. I'm sitting up there, and I just stayed long enough to have a beer. Mets were getting their butts kicked uh, by the Phillies again. Just the wind is whipping, and I'm like looking down at my phone. I'm like, I still haven't used my ticket for Temple. So Temple somehow comes back and scores 14 or 21 unanswered. I'll just go run back across the street and use my ticket to get back in. That never uh, never happened. Um, so then I met up with my cousin. We ended up back down the shore, went to Wildwood, and did the whole thing. But checked out the Temple campus, got a Cape May IPA. My, my old college bar on Temple's campus, shout out to Maxi's Pizza Subs and Bar. They have Cape May IPA on tap, which is amazing. Uh, I didn't know Cape May IPAs or Cape May Brewing's uh, yeah. wingspan, for lack of a better word, so went out that far. But um, yeah, aside from the fact that I had not seen sunlight the entire time I was there, went to all the old bars in Philly that I went to in college and had some good family time, my cousin, my brother. Yeah, and it was it was it was a good time. Good sports, good sports weekend. Drank a lot of beers, had some good food, and my stomach was paying for it when I got up for work this morning. But yeah, it was it was a good time. Um, let's well, get say it again. I said I'm happy for you. Thank you, Dennis. Appreciate that. Let's uh, let's get down to brass tacks here, Dennis. Um, the recap show as we do back to the two game format. Giants play Thursday. So as our listeners know, we um, only played. We only did one episode um, this past week. So let's recap. Giants lose on the road to a much better team, the San Francisco 49ers. Final score, San Francisco 30, Giants 12. Giants fall to 1-2 and two on the season after losses to Dallas and a late victory against the Arizona Cardinals. Um, Dennis, we'll obviously get into the nitty-gritty of all this. We'll obviously um, preview the Seattle game. We'll obviously do our picks later in the week. Um, but for now, I want to start with your, um, your post-game, uh, recap of the Giants-Arizona game where you kind of started and did your bit and said, you know, after that game, despite the terrible first half, obviously the great comeback, I, I said, it's, it's an amazing comeback. I don't care how good or bad the team is you're playing to come down from that is special. Uh, you said you were ecstatic um you were you were feeling really good about that game and where we were going in the future you and i were both on san francisco and i know i'll hand the mic over to you before we're done to kind of go over um our picks and, and the standings the peanut gallery the whole thing but you said you were ecstatic going to that game you and i both had the giants losing um if i remember correctly correct me if i'm wrong but we both had giants uh plus 10 um in that game for a minute there 
I thought that was feasible. Um, I tweeted late in the night after that game. I don't know if you saw it. I said the Giants hung in there, but at the same time, they didn't. Like that sentence for me makes absolutely no sense. But I was about my... to say I did not see that tweet. But if that tweet would have made sense after the first half, kind of. It, it just felt like the Giants were always in striking distance against a team that's that much better, but they that's can okay. they can never do it. And and Dennis agree with me or not? Our listeners can agree with me or not? This might be a hot take, and this may change as the season progresses for San Francisco. <laughs> But I don't think Brock Purdy is – what I've seen so far, I don't really think he's that stellar of a quarterback. He's just loaded with weapons, just absolutely loaded. Um, so, again, to what you said, you're ecstatic, all that. Giants lose, not a shocker. We both expected that. We chalked it up before a single play of the season. We chalked it up as a loss in our general Giants preview of the entire season. Um, are you still ecstatic? What'd you see? And we'll dig a little deeper into it. It's kind of unfortunate, Matt, because you would think that, and I have to imagine for most Giants fans, it's already been a roller coaster of a season. So much hype going in, absolutely throttled by Dallas. But then take away what, for me, I never really lost the excitement. Just throw everything out the window. Don't, you can't learn, you can't learn anything from that game. Going to Arizona, have to punch them in the teeth. Didn't do that, but they did do it in the second half. They showed a lot of fight. We talked about it. We talked about how Daniel Jones looked. We talked about Brian Dable. Is he calling the plays? Is he calling the plays? Gave us optimism. Gave me optimism on a short week on the road. We all, we were, when we did our episode, we were kind of, Saquon, is he going to play? Is it, we kind of assumed he wasn't going to play, but I really wanted him to play. If You know, I love the way Dable was handling it. Uh, we're a bad football team, Matt. It's as simple as that. I have come down the roller coaster. We're at the bottom and we're not coming back up. It's just kind of like the ride stopped and we're just doing this little wobble back and forth. You know, when you hit the peak and you come down, everything's exciting. Woo! And then you go back up and you start riding. We're just kind of in this little valley, just like going back and forth until we eventually slow down. Cause right now there's just no optimism. There's no hope. I think we're a bad football team. I think we have some real, real issues all over. This football team, the defense showed me a lot. Pass rush was getting there. Like you were saying, Brock Purdy, no, he's not anything special. But you know what? He does what they need to do. They don't have a great offensive line. but They have a good enough offensive line, but our defense was able to get a lot of pressure early on in that game. Really affect the tone of that game. It seemed like, okay, we're, we're in this thing. We're driving down the field. We're getting points. The defense is doing their job, getting the ball back. Not The offense is sustaining drives, not getting the defense right back on and getting them tired. But Brock Purdy... Under duress, pressure doesn't bring the blitz. It doesn't matter. He's able to get the ball out quickly. And like you said, he has some of the best playmakers in the NFL. They're able to do stuff after the catch. But he also made two crit- multiple. But on that first drive, where the Giants luckily hold up the red zone and make a stand only to give up a field goal, but multiple third down conversions, the first one was literally the same play. Just an in route to Debo Samuel. Uh, Banks makes a great play on it on second down. Third down, nowhere to be found. First down, they drive down the field. Long catch to Jennings over the middle. Now, again, we were pumped up. We were amped because they held them to a field goal. Defense actually showed up. But this just where we should have looked at this realistically as 10-point underdogs 
even yes on a short week. You don't know the Giants are staying out there. Maybe I didn't read enough into that. These poor bastards are staying in a hotel room. They're not comfortable. You know what I mean? They're not in their home environment just because they're staying on the West Coast, used to the time, but they don't have to travel too much. I don't know. It was probably miserable for those five or six days that they were out there. But I think we should have looked at this 10-point spread and been like, yeah, the Niners, they're going to easily cover this. We're not good enough to sustain 60 minutes of football with a team like San Francisco because they look like world beaters on both sides of the ball. That's my takeaway. Um, I mean, you made a good point, and we talked about in the last episode how we were a little uh, disgruntled, I guess, for lack of a better word, at Kayvon Thibodeau and some of his comments. And the pass rush, to their credit, for the most part, showed up. Mm-hmm. At the very least, had a much better performance than than we had seen so far this season. But, but again... San Francisco, obviously, better team than the Giants. But there were some things, too, that got on me. The penalties. <laughs> Just, I mean, in the Giants' defense, there were a lot of penalties, Dennis, that I just thought were were BS penalties that were called on the Giants that shouldn't have been called. But then there were stupid penalties that were completely fair that the Giants shouldn't be committing. And I think that was a fairly close to an even-even split. Just in a general sense, just too many penalties. Too many pass interferences. The the game was over for me when on the same drive uh, the the Niners got a first down on two three and thirteens on I believe both screen passes, mm-hmm. um, and the Giants just couldn't excuse my language couldn't freaking make a tackle. Um, so that's just inexcusable. Um, that for me was when I knew the game was over. I genuinely thought at the end of that first quarter, I was like, okay, it's a tie game. We've held San Francisco or held San Francisco to three points going into the second quarter. It's a lot better than I thought it was going to be. So here we go. And it just, again, they, they hung in there. They, they, uh, Matt Breida with the touchdown. Um, to get a little bit closer there in the second half, Matt Breida uh, has done an admirable job uh, in place of, of Saquon Barkley, which I was never really concerned about. Obviously, he's not going to put up Saquon Barkley numbers, but be serviceable. And then Daniel Jones and the weapons get it going. Dennis, uh, speaking of the weapons, where the heck was Jalen Hyatt? I'm glad you brought him up, Matt. Yeah. What? Like, like it, 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 it's one thing, Dennis, if we're in week three. That we didn't see Jalen Hyatt week two, or we didn't see Jalen Hyatt week one. We didn't really see Jalen Hyatt week Hyatt, excuse me, week one. But the Giants offense wasn't doing crap in Arizona until Jalen Hyatt showed up, and boom, it's like a completely different team was there. Why did we not see him once? I don't even think he had a reception. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, he did not. He did not have a target either. He's on my fantasy team. Regardless of that, when did we see him first? At the very end of the third quarter? Right around there? What 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 is there's there's no Jalen Hyatt injury we're aware of. There's nothing disciplinary on, on the sideline. Why? And I get it. Two completely different teams are playing here. I understand that. So maybe you know football analytically a hell of a lot better than I ever will. Am I missing something? Do we have a right to question Brian Dable or Mike Kafka? Like what what is? Why did we not see someone that was such a playmaker? Not even a week earlier. Matt, we poo-poo on this player 
that I will mention multiple times. We thank him for winning a Super Bowl against one of the Giants' bitter, bitter rivals. We watch him almost single-handedly lose a football game for that same team in week one. Does this not remind you? Because I had this thought watching the game, and the next day I woke up. Does this not remind you exactly what went on with Kadarius Toney his rookie year where he would show up on the field, be electric, get the fans into it, get the, the offense looked better, and then he would completely disappear? To me, that's the same. We're talking about the guys that drafted him. He is a rookie. We've barely seen him. But what we've seen in preseason and the way we've seen people talk about him is that he's already developed a nice connection with Daniel, Daniel Jones. Shows up week two, has two incredible deep catches that set up touchdown scoring drives. And yet we come out against a team where we have to start throwing the ball. The Niners defense outside of their pass rush didn't look like they were doing anything super complex or sophisticated that Daniel Jones couldn't figure out or the Giants offense couldn't figure out. It's nice to see Wendell Robinson out there. Made a nice play. Slayton is still getting a bunch of deep balls thrown his way. Newsflash, he's not catching many of them, if any of them. I'm I'm at my wit's end with Darius Slayton right now because it doesn't look like he gets much separation at all. He's not making big plays when they're going for the big play on the drive. He's not showing up. So I'm at my wit's end with him. And yet Jalen Hyatt, who we have seen already in big moments, crucial moments, make big plays. And yet he's absent when we need to score points. We need to extend the field. Instead, it's multiple drives of running into the offensive line, throwing behind the line of scrimmage, a couple of checkdowns here and there where Danny Dimes is running for his life. You know what? I'm not even going to call him Danny Dimes because he's not throwing any dimes. Daniel Jones is running for his life. I don't know how to explain it, Matt. That's the first thing that I thought of. Where I was like, here's a rookie receiver that we're really excited about. And now we're not talking about first. Kadarius Tony was a first round pick as opposed to Hyatt third round. Just trade it up to get him. You moved around to, to go and get your guy. Giants need weapons. I, I don't see the harm in letting him go out there and try to stretch the field. I can't explain it. I haven't seen anyone talk about it. I haven't seen anyone mention anything. Well, that's kind of that's kind of what I'm. So like. that's why I'm bringing up this. It feels like the exact same thing is happening. So so clearly something behind the scenes is happening. And, right, and it has to. That, we know we know now the player that Kadarius Tony has become, but back when we didn't know who he was, we were questioning this Giants team. Now, obviously, it's a much different regime, different coaches. That everybody was different there. But we were questioning why Kadarius Tony wasn't getting any playing time. Same thing. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I guess the only the only thing that I'll throw in there into your argument and be like, well, it's different because of this, is because, and I don't remember where we were three weeks into the Tony tenure, but I know there were injuries at play both in season and off season. I. I can't, I mean, I, I'm not going to be like, that is a very crazy comparison, Dennis, because I, I just hope you're dead wrong. <laughs> I, I really hope you're wrong. I just wrong. don't know what else. We didn't know a lot about some of the injuries Tony had, but we knew 
he was hurt. But we would see him, and we'd see flashes of greatness, and then he would completely disappear. And yet yeah. Ricky James would fumble everything in sight, and we saw him every damn play. So it never made sense. Where I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I your point. I think I'm not. I don't know. We'll talk more obviously when we do the preview show later in the week with Seattle. But I know it's a home game, but shit, I'm sorry, I'm not optimistic at all about this football team because I just don't understand what's going on. Well, it's it's. And it start. It's it's just the Hyatt thing is one more thing to add on. We've talked about. I mean, we even say like you loved them coming after or uh, out of the Cardinal game with a win, but obviously there were still negatives because in two of the four quarters they didn't score any points. So for me, the list of questions of what the hell has happened to this team in the off season is longer than what we know about. I don't think we know a damn thing about the Giants right now. So two like two things I want to add, and obviously you nor I work with the Giants organization. So like, we won't – I mean, and Jalen Hyde did play. It just was too little, too late, and didn't even get a reception. Didn't even get it. I don't even know if he had a target, Dennis. I don't know if you know that off the top of your head or not. I can double-check because he's sitting on my bench on my fantasy team, but I'm pretty sure he did not receive a target. Well, I saw – no, no, then he didn't because you know what, now that I think about it, when you were talking smack in the fantasy league a few hours ago, I looked at your team and you had him on the bench and he had 0.00 points. Um, well, that doesn't mean he didn't have a target. He could have just had a target. Fair, yeah, no, you're right. Touche. Um, yeah, it's – for better or worse, you kind of hit the nail on the head there, and I want to go back to your comments post – Arizona game, but you hit the nail on the head after this Niners game. And again, this is the thing that is aggravating me the most. Dennis, I am not shocked in the slightest that we are one and two. No, you things told are, things me things Dennis, are kind I, of going exactly how you would think. Dennis, you wouldn't have had to tell me anything about how the score was. Did Daniel Jones play well? Did Barkley play out of his mind? Did they both suck? You wouldn't have had to tell me anything about the score. If you told me going into the Seattle game at home, the Giants are one and two, I wouldn't have been ecstatic. I wouldn't have lost sleep. I would have been like, okay. That I think they- you make a, That's a great point. I think that's the scariest thing, is every Giant fan in the world would have taken one and two. We know Dallas is going to be better on paper. We know San Fran is a Super Bowl favorite. We would have taken one and two. But how we've gotten to this point is really scary. And that's – and I don't even know. I might even disagree with it here. I may. I may or may not. I don't even know if scary is the word. I hesitate to use the word maybe disappointing because we're one and two. What most Giants fans would have celebrated getting to, what most Giants fans, including myself, predicted – Actually, you know what? I said two and one, but I knew the Dallas win was going to be a stretch one way or the other. But I would have been complete, completely content with one and two. So none of that. But but to your point, the way we've gotten here and how now we're one and two going into a game at home against a team that I think we're fairly evenly matched with against the Seattle Seahawks. Dennis, we have no idea what we're getting. We don't know what team is showing up. We are going into that game with more questions than I think we ever thought we would have going into this season's week four. And that's the players in the field, and that's the coaching staff. And that's including numbers of the coaching staff that really up until the last couple of weeks 
we have had absolutely little to nothing to say bad about. And Brian Dable and Wink Martindale. Kafka, a little bit questionable last year. But between Wink Martindale and Brian Dable, and there are so many more questions, and that's personnel issues. That is just certain play calling. That's just, you know, I hate to use this because I never thought I, I would in the Brian Dable era, lack of urgency. It just something doesn't seem, and, and some of these Brian Dable press conferences I watch, it almost seems that, and same, I said the same thing about Kayvon Thibodeau talking about the slippery slope. When you don't seem annoyed at what's happening and you almost sound more annoyed at the local New York sports media for asking the question. Yeah. Why were you down 28 7 in Arizona? They're asking the special teams coach if he's concerned about Graham Gano. We're on to the next game. We're on to the next game. We're on to the next game. I'm like, I'm sure you are on to the next game, but you have to answer these questions. And some of that is causing me a lot of pause. And well, that's the Joe Judge era. We all loved him, his hard nose, but blue collar. But at the end of the day, the season rolled along in a very disappointing way. And he was on to the next one, on to the next one. No, 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 no. You can't just roll on to the next one anymore because you've said that now a dozen times and it's the same result. So, yeah, to your point, that if this rolls out to that, but even like you're not use, wanting to use scary, I might even take it a bit further. And Monday night, Again, we'll get to the preview, but it could be frightening. Because talk about how the Giants have gotten here at one and two. Look at how Seattle has gotten to where they are, where they look like absolute crap at home week one against a Rams team who everyone was like, oh, Rams might be back. Puka, the new Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford, he's he's healthy. They look good. Couldn't do diddly in the second half. They go to Detroit, a team that a lot of people are falling in love with, look like complete doo-doo, come back in the second half and win that game on the road, play spoiler to the home opener for the Lions. And then this past week looked like doo-doo again against the Panthers team where people were like, oh, a bunch of people are going to lose their survivor pick. Seattle's going to lose at home to Carolina to Andy freaking Dalton. And then they turn it on with Kenneth Walker, the second, the third? I think it's the third. From Michigan State, Lawrence boys. Uh, and they completely turn it on and they win. And they're two and one. So it's like... I don't. I wonder if Seattle fans feel almost similar to where Giant fans feel. We're like, what the hell is this team? And now they have to go on the road to a metal to the Meadowlands at night. Where may do you think they're favored? Is there a line? I wonder if there's a line already. Giants are minus one and a half, which essentially means it's toss up. It's a terrible line, <laughs> but it's actually you know accurate. The Giants do not deserve to be favorites, but they're just getting the benefit of the doubt because they are home. I believe it's actually because usually when it's a toss up, I feel like it's the home team gets the minus two and a half and the Giants don't even have that. So not a good line as far as confidence in the Giants goes. Yeah. yeah. I, we'll we'll talk we'll talk. You know anybody in Seattle? We should get them on. But I don't think I do. I can I can ask around. I don't I don't think I have any diehard Seattle friends in my circle I'll, I'll i'll think about it but yeah we'll, we'll get into that um later in the week um but again it's that's what's so perplexing and they are doing it in such a way that only the giants can have the record that a lot of people thought you would have yet confidence is low the season has not gotten off to the start that anyone would have expected or hoped for uh even even daniel jones like I, i've seen again credit to i 
these guys and I almost hate them because I wish I just, that was my gig. I don't know if they have full-time afternoon jobs, but the talking giants dudes, like they do a good job of breaking it down and showing me things that I didn't see probably because I was too drunk in the second half out of sadness uh, to see it myself. But you're watching, not documenting everything that's happening. Taking notes like a, yeah. Daniel Jones, at least based on some of these clips had moments where, what we expect of him, he should be firing that ball off and and finding those windows in the secondary and didn't see a whole lot of that. Uh, a guy that we were super confident in, especially because of his performance at training camp preseason, has essentially not shown up either, and that's Darren Waller. Also hasn't really had a whole lot of targets. So that's another question. What's changed? Um, Because Waller I, was... I wonder how much it is on the offensive line. There's been... Some shuffling pieces. Obviously, this past Thursday was not good. Center, right tackle, like those are or no left Thomas. Sorry, so left tackle even more important. Like I get that that's a big deal, but to your point, you're right. Like Jones, this is not year one, and this is all like a lot of these wide receivers with you is not year one, and some like Waller is a seasoned veteran where the connection might not be there, but he should be good enough to be finding seams in the defense. And the ball has to come out quicker. And I I don't understand for a mind like Dable and how much we trust him and then Kafka, what he has shown, why it's not dialed up where that ball is out three seconds out. Don't even think about it. And then if you have that moment, just look real quick. Can I get out of here? Because we know you can. And if you can't step back, throw it away. Like I almost like it's not like he's not smart. He's got he's got the capabilities, the mindset to do it. But I. I don't know. Is it happening too fast? Is this, is the game not slowing down enough? Well, here's, another, here's another question. When you know your offensive line's not healthy, and trust me, that's saying a lot. Even healthy, it's average at best. Okay. Tell me if this is a stupid comment, Dennis. Why would the Giants not, especially when the offensive line's mangled, why are you not going shotgun, 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 shotgun? Especially when Barkley's not there. I don't know, that's the other thing too. What is the threat of the I formation with Matt Breida in the backfield? I don't think there is one. It, it's not a stupid comment. Look, we're dumb idiot fans who are booze hounding for all these games. But at the end of the day, we see the other teams having success doing certain things. Like, I don't know. It's a fair point. You make, And it's not like you can't run the ball being in shotgun. And to me, that opens up a, opens it up even more for that wildcat offense to run with Daniel Jones, to get the read option going in where you're creating designed runs for him, which we have seen him have very a high rate of success. Would I, it's perplexing. Big word bird or perplex. Also, I'd be remiss if I didn't, I don't know, Dennis, you're in media. So you've seen this enough. Have you ever seen that video or I don't know what news cable channel it is where they bring uh, this guy on to talk about like the geopolitical climate or whatever. And the door opens in his bedroom and it's like sun comes in and starts messing around during the live broadcast. I think, I, I think it's someone like on a CNBC and I'm, yeah. Yeah. This is like Lauren picking up the cat walking around in the back. <laughs> That's the vibe I'm getting right now. To her credit, she's made like little to no noise. Yeah, she she went into the closet because I looked at her when she played a video really loud, and then oh, I also put her in the closet. So, um, 
But yeah, again, Giants lose to the Niners. Um, not shocking. Half like we expected that loss. It's just again, Dennis, you did a really good job of kind of sending us in that direction where it's not the loss to a better team that we're concerned about tonight. It's going to the Seattle game with just more questions than answers of, of what this team is. And and I saw, I don't know if you follow El Jefe at all. He does the backyard videos where he plays the different Giants fans and they're having a beer and having a conversation after each game. If you haven't, no, I have no it. idea what you're talking about. It's yeah, his, his name on Twitter is El Jefe, and he's a Giants fan. And what he'll do, literally, like the day after every game, is he'll record a like a five or six minute video in his backyard, and he's like just plays him plays three different Giants fans sitting in in his backyard having a beer, but they're all different people. Like, hey, what you, you think about the game? Oh, that was great. Blah, 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 blah. And uh, he retweeted something this morning, and it was, I don't know if it was like the NFL statistical account or whatever it was. And it's like, these are the top five uh, scoring offenses uh, of the season so far. And he retweets and goes, oh, look, it's the Giants schedule. <laughs> and uh, it's the Giants schedule. Bills. Eagles, Dolphins, Niners, Seahawks, they're all on there. I'm like, that's that's just that's just great. But yeah, it's a shame. I would encourage you to watch that. Again, no predictions on Giants Seahawks tonight. We're gonna save that and make you wait for it later in the week, as well as um our picks for the upcoming week before um we get into all that. And Dennis, I feel like we'll just close out the episode tonight with uh, the standings. Um, yeah, uh, sure. Last week, I'll give the mic over to you eventually, but a few other notes we talked about in our pre-show meeting and, and one I wanted to bring up. Two things before we get to the AFC and some some notable um, moments and headlines over there. I just want to talk about the NFC East as a whole. Giants, obviously in last place. Um, they were going into week three being the only team in the division. Parts of the division that was not 2-0. Um, credit to the Commanders, 2-0. Eagles, 2-0. Not a shocker there. Dallas, 2-0. Also really not a shocker there. What happened to Dallas after that? A bit surprising. We can talk about that in a second. Um, Commanders, 2-0. They're going into Philly. They're going to get walloped. They're not a good 2-0 team. Fool's gold. Um, We'll get into, again, picks later in the week. Um, Philly, again, Beat another fool's gold 2-0 team, the Tampa Bay Bucks last night, Monday Night Football. Eagles look good. Jalen Hurts obviously looks good. The weapons around them look good. Um, they had a slow start against the Patriots this season, but Eagles I fully expect to be a Super Bowl favorite. I don't think they will be the Super Bowl favorite at the end of the year, but they'll be in that conversation, obviously. They're going to win the division, obviously. Dallas will hang in there, I think, as long as they can. I think the Arizona loss, I don't think that tells the whole tale of what we're going to see from the Cowboys this year. But this weekend does show show me, in my opinion, that the Eagles are still a lot farther away from Dallas. And the performance from the division, especially the Philadelphia Eagles, and obviously Dallas uh, week one, we talked about that ad nauseum, shows again, we're going to talk about it again after week three, that the gap – that the Giants weren't going to close it completely, but we wanted to see proven results that the gap was in the active, was in the act of 
closing, it's not. If anything, it's exactly the same or it's widened even more. Um, at least as the Eagles are concerned. Dennis, the Dallas Cowboys, they're the big headline. This is good news for Eagles fans. It's good news for Washington and Giants fans too. If the Giants and Washington want to make this division as realistic as possible for as long as humanly possible. Dallas loses 2-1 to the Arizona Cardinals, which the aforementioned Arizona Cardinals that gave the Giants a hell of a lot of trouble that were mocked by both the NFL community and Giants fans for giving for having that much trouble. And the team that walloped the Giants 40 to nothing not only had just as much trouble against them, but could not win <laughs> when the Giants. The, the the lead deficit between Arizona and Dallas was not was never as much as it was against the Giants, but the Giants found a way to win. The Dallas Cowboys cannot. And every time it looked like Dallas was going to get right back in and run away with it, take the lead, Arizona came right back. Credit to them. I think multiple things are true. We could all laugh at Dallas, have a good laugh. Everyone that laughed at the Giants, the Giants beat them. Dallas didn't. But also, and I mean this out of the goodness of my warm heart. Give some credit, again, to Josh Dobbs and the Arizona Cardinals. They are not a good team, but they are not nearly as bad as everyone said they were. So credit to them more so than me laughing at the Dallas Cowboys. But Dennis, your thoughts on that, the NFC East as a whole, as we leave week three? I mean, if you've listened to this podcast before, it it doesn't take long to realize how biased we are. We're diehard, bleed blue giant fans, okay? That's what we talk about most on the show. When it comes to the fall and into the winter, two episodes a week, pretty much dominated by Giants talk. And I'm sorry, is it not awesome that while we already talked all Giants in the beginning of this podcast, we're worried, we're scared, we don't know what to make of this team, where's Jalen Hyatt, nothing's going right, but we can all sit back and have a giggle at the Cowboys' expense because it's just too perfect. It's too perfect. The great Greg Costelli, he's in our uh, <laughs> peanut gallery picks, texted us towards the end of that game, please never let me get hyped about the Cowboys ever again. Like, it's just too good. Now, it's only one loss. It's week three. We both know they'll turn it on. They'll probably be like an 11 of 12 and 5, 11 and 5, 6 and 11 and 6, whatever the hell the records are now. Uh Team find their way into the playoffs. Hell, I mean, they beat Philly once, and Philly stumbles here or there during this season. I don't know what their schedule looks like. They they're they're not out of the running of the division. They're a game back, but it's just funny. It's it doesn't make any sense. I watched a lot of that game because it was on Red Zone. There were only three four o'clock games. Um, obviously, one of them got most of the headlines. I'm sure we'll get to it. Uh, but you know, th- this game was actually entertaining because again, the Cardinals came out. James Conner, I mean, knock on wood, I hope he stays healthy because he has been bitten by the injury bug. I feel like every year he's a solid fantasy player. He's a go-to bet anytime touchdown guy. He runs like he's trying to break down a brick wall. He's just fun to watch, and he's having a tremendous, tremendous start to the season. And credit Josh Dobbs. The dude only walked on to... University of Phoenix Stadium parking lot, whatever, weeks before the season. And I don't know if you saw it, but the Cardinals are messing up. Did you see the video that Josh Dobbs posted of walking into the official Cardinals store? And they won 
don't have his jersey for sale, that's okay. He's only been there a couple of weeks. But if you go, they have a little kiosk to get a custom ordered jersey. And it gives you the entire Cardinals roster. Josh Dobbs is not listed on the Cardinals roster to make a jersey for. He posted it. He had fun with it. It's like, what are we doing if we're Cardinals? Not, I don't know how big the fan base is. They're, I mean, in within a decade ish of being in a Super Bowl, they had some good years. The Cardinals, had, hell, with Kyler Murray, they were expected to be, you know, the next big thing in the West. Hasn't really panned out, but that's just unfortunate for Dallas. I think we all said it. And anyone looked at it, the Trayvon Diggs injury is a big deal. They have a legit pass rush, maybe the best in the NFL right now. But that secondary lives with Diggs. It was huge that they signed Gilmore in the offseason, but now it's just him out there. I think they missed Diggs. But the way it's almost like they've played perfectly against all of their opponents. Teed up, dialed up, the perfect game plan to exploit their opponents' defenses. And hats off to the coaching staff. Like, the way they have rallied that group of misfits, nobody cares about anybody on that team. Nobody. And they've been in every ball game that they've played in. Lost by less than a touchdown to Washington. Lost by less than a touchdown to the Giants. Beat the Dallas Cowgirls, who are, oh, they're looking like world beaters after they demolished the Giants and the Jets. Guess what? Giants and the Jets might not be that good. Might not be the big wins you're thinking of, okay? I know they look great, but just saying. You might have beat two five-win teams when it's all said and done. I think the Giants are a little bit better than that. But Jets, goodness gracious. we can talk. I want to talk about the Jets in a little bit because, my, I mean, my guy. But I'm not, I have it on the list, but and, and also in a more, like, cliche sense, like, aside from just, like, the coach having Josh Jobs and his performance and all that, like, there's a Cardinals show this – Granted, it was week one against a Washington Commanders team, but a team in their defense that went 2-0 and in the Washington Commanders, so they did something right. But Arizona, I thought, should have had that win. They they, they were up 16-10. to I, I said it. The Arizona Cardinals had a very good chance of beating the Washington Commanders week one. They had a 28-7 lead on the New York Giants. Again, I'm not expecting the Commanders or Giants to win the Super Bowl this year, but they probably could have beat the Commanders. They had a 28-7 lead against the Giants. They beat the Dallas Cowboys. There's some world in the NFL and the, the fifth dimension or whatever the Avengers movies say now or, or the Marvel movies, all the different dimensions of time, that the Arizona Cardinals could have been 3-0. Well, if you're a fan, you're sitting there being like, shit, we should be 3-0 right now. But that's the makings of a bad football team. Like but, they're they're a bad they're not supposed to win any of those games. Football team. That's the thing. And they are not going into these games like they just looked in the mirror in the tunnel and said, we're losing this. So let's just, you know, go have fun, yeah. play ourselves. That way our numbers look better. So someone wants us in free agency next year or someone's willing to give us a contract extension. They're going into these games. Josh Dobbs is going into these games. James Connors going to these games saying, we can win this. Why not? And and it's it's only notable like, I don't think everyone wakes up in the middle of the night. I wonder what the Arizona Cardinals are up to. But it's only notable because of how much in the basement of the entire NFL they were expected to be. Maybe the only one that was going to be 
farther down in the darkness of that basement was the Carolina Panthers. If it wasn't them, the Arizona Cardinals were going to be way down in there by themselves. And you can argue as an unbiased football fan, they should be 3-0 right now. Well, I think it's a very good argument that they should be 3-0. And that's and I, I wanted to bring this up because the Cardinals were one team that I wanted to talk about, along with the Indianapolis Colts. And those two guys came from Philly. So it just shows you the type of coaching that Philly had last year. Lose their offensive coordinator over to Arizona. Defensive coordinator goes over to Indy. Now, Indy's only one in... They won in two or two. No, they're two and two and one. They beat Houston last week. So beat Houston. Okay. But to go into Baltimore in a slop fest and the defense absolutely showed up. It's not like the Ravens are hurting for offensive. But now, you know, they little banged up. The running game is all banged, but they stood their own and they won on a game winning field goal. Like that's impressive to me. What those teams are doing in a short span here to start the season. It's impressive as hell. It also sucks that, you know, it just shows you what was on Philly last year and you brought them up. They didn't look great to start the year. They kind of look, well, they could have lost the game to new England. Minnesota did everything they could to try to come back in that game. Week two Eagles are just better. Jalen hurts pushing his tushy into the end zone, getting daddy six points every time. He's my man. I love Jalen hurts, but it takes time with a new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator. And they're showing you that they're probably not going to lose a step. They're only going to get better with these new play callers. The systems are pretty much all the same, but you have new play callers. And for anyone wondering, I mean, I for Philly, it's scary because they haven't really had a lot of flashy plays. The most flash you've seen is A.J. Brown screaming and yelling on the sidelines that you're not getting enough targets. You got enough targets this week. Could have gotten the end zone for you, boy. Could have done that. Would have appreciated it. But hey, here's what it is. DeAndre Swift over a buck 20, buck 30 in back-to-back weeks. Jalen Hurts turning the ball over a little too much for my liking. They start playing some better teams, some tougher teams. He starts doing that. I think they'll be in trouble, but there's time for him to work out those kinks. The defense looks incredible. Incredible the defense looks for Philly. So again, it's one of those teams on another level. It's what you talked about trying to close the gap. We wanted to see it closed a little bit. Right now it it look it almost looks like we regressed and the gap got bigger. No, it absolutely that's what it absolutely looks like. And that's again the questions that we'll have to ask and hopefully be answered for better or worse in the Seattle game is is, is what we're seeing is this the team? Have we regressed? Was yesterday or yesterday? <laughs> Was last season just us playing out of our minds and a way above our potential, and that wasn't what the team is? Did just something happen in the trajectory that we're just not as good as we were? These are the questions we got to answer. I was going to ask you your opinion on the Eagles. Um, I'm curious, really quick question. You don't have to go too deep into this, but obviously the Eagles are the front runner once again to at the very least win the NFC East. They're obviously going to be one of the top favorites to win the conference. Probably one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl or at the very least get to the Super Bowl. Again, um, you talk about the Giants either improving or regressing. I personally don't think the Eagles improved. I don't think they regressed. I think the Eagles had a lot of offseason 
moves, the same thing will go when this season ends. The Eagles have a great team. The negative with that, if you're Eagles front office or Eagles player or Eagles fan, is you have to pay those players. And some of that happened this year, which is why I'm not ready to say that they improved, um, especially with a tougher NFC East schedule, which I don't think they've really faced just yet. Um, what's your opinion on that? Obviously, I don't think either of us are going to say the Eagles got any worse. Um, but I, I think they are about what I predict for them and what I think after three weeks. They're not worse, obviously. I don't think they are better. My expectations for them haven't changed. I think they're still about the same, which is still a very good team. Yeah, I think they're going to get better as the season goes on. Like I said, I think the better, changes on the changes better than last year. year. Like improved as a team from last year. And you could use the same prediction that I, mean, I think how you want to I think on the season prediction was them beating Cincy in the Super Bowl. So if that's using a barometer, then yes, they would be better because they would have won the Super Bowl this year. But I, I guess technically speaking, last year's team probably numbers wise will be the better team. But I think they have that extra drive, that chip on their shoulder this year, especially Jalen Hurts, for being so close last year. The coaching staff is much the same. The offensive coordinator was the quarterback coach last year, so it's not like it's a huge jump into your new play caller. It's already somebody that you worked with. The defense already looks real good. So, I I mean, I, Philly's going to win, I think, minimum 13 games this year. And I don't know what I don't know what their schedule is, so I we could look at it. But we're looking at a team where I think it's just like last year, where it's like, okay, when are they going to lose? Not if, when. Like we don't know how long this will go with them being unbeaten. What they and again, Tampa Bay, nice start to the season. It's Baker Mayfield. How good are the weapons? What's the you know? Not much of a running game. Defense is real good though. Eagles had no problem moving up and down that field. And that defense bullied Tampa Bay. So yep. they did yeah, what I mean, they did what they had to. The only game that concerns me is the Minnesota game. But Minnesota, I mean, what Minnesota did against the Chargers this week, I don't know who they are. I think what they're about, the Vikings again and they're not going to have the same luck. I think I think that Patriots game if you're, I just think the Patriots have a really good defense. It's week one. It's at New England. It's shitty weather. So I chalked that up, and they still got out of there with a win. Maybe they shouldn't have. I mean, Mac Jones makes a really nice throw at the end of the game. They should have been in, you know, in targeting just to get a field goal. But well, here's the other thing. Their opponent, um, again, I touched on right at the beginning of the show, their opponent, they're going to be hosting the Washington Commanders, formerly the football team. Who was so close to being shut, shut out. Wouldn't it have been a great week. If Dallas loses the way they do to Arizona after we just whooped them in the second half, and then the commanders would get shut out at home against a good team like the Bills. We would have it would be a good we like, oh, another team in our division got shut out. Dallas lost. We're not so bad after all. Yeah, I mean kind of we're in that picture like the, the dragons or whatever. Please must win. The dragons look it over the three idiots. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, no, that's a good one. Yeah, I like that one. <laughs> Um, yeah, Monday's a must win. We'll get we'll get to it. But I mean, we don't have to touch on this long, but again, Philadelphia playing the commanders, they're gonna lose two nothing. Fool's gold. Any do you have any disagreements on that? I don't think Washington is Sam Howell quarterback. I, I Sam Howell, good for him. I kinda like him, but I, I don't I don't think that 
I don't I don't think we're gonna see anything miraculous from the Washington Commanders by the time the season's said and done, personally. I like Sam Howell. I hope that they give him a fair shot. I think he's a decent quarterback. Now, you know, evidence points to the contrary after throwing four picks to the Buffalo Bills, but I like him. I like his game. I do think they get waxed. I'm, you know, not even gonna look at this game. I'm sure it's a double digit spread, especially if it's in Philly. Uh that's all I got to say on that. All right. Uh, well, let's move out of the conference. And I know uh, we're both probably chomping at the bit at, uh, yeah. at the New York Jets losing the Meadowlands. Oh, I thought uh, we were going to talk T-Swift. <laughs> plenty of time for T-Swift. Um, maybe I'll get Lauren, Lauren on that too. Um, the Jets lose to rival the New England Patriots. And what was an even more hyped-up season than their big brother, the New York Giants. The Jets, it's just been an absolute disaster. And as expected, you don't hear Giants talk at any moment on the fan anymore, which you don't really hear a whole lot of anyways. You don't hear a whole lot of Yankees talk. It's Jets-Mets. That's how it's always been. Well, yeah, because they complain 12 months out of the year. So It's just Jets, 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 Jets. And I'm enjoying it a lot because screw the Jets. Uh, I know it's one of, I think you said it was your most hated NFL team. It is. But screw the Jets. Dennis, I'll eat some crow here because after the Rodgers uh, injury and after the Jets won that game, I was like, Zach Wilson is reborn. He has his new life now. He has not only, it's his team again. He has the world at his, uh, the world is his oyster. And he has a much better Jets team around him on both sides of the ball than he did the last time he was the Jets starter. So who can be a more happy person in the NFL than Zach Wilson? He gets a complete other chance to prove himself, if not to the Jets, to a team in the NFL that might want him in the future, at the very least as a backup. And that is waning very quickly, that opportunity. He does not look good uh, around a team that is better than a team he's ever had. Rob Sala is saying, you know, interview after interview, Zach Wilson's our guy. Much to the dismay of Connecticut, New York, New Jersey callers into the fan, much to the dismay of their hosts. And I'm eating it all up. I love it. It's hilarious to me. I, I think it's fantastic. Aaron Rodgers, people are looking for him in the New York metro area. Nowhere to be found. He's out there probably in California somewhere rehabbing sitting there clicking the remote he's probably turning the game off he doesn't he doesn't doesn't care he'll say it he'll he'll get reached out for the newspaper articles he does not care he does not care we've said this on the show before we don't have to say on the show it is common knowledge no one loves themselves more than aaron Rodgers loves himself i will put it now you could take it for what it's worth but i'll put a little pushback because he's on pat mcafee's show every week and he was on there today and he did say he is still out west recovering beginning the early stages of his rehab to rehab the Achilles. And he did say that last week he was watching red zone and had to turn it off because he couldn't bear to watch football and not be involved with it, blah, blah, blah. And he did hint at that. There might be someone extra on the bench in the Meadowlands this week. So he might be making his return just as a, Hey, I'm here, you know, poke wave to the crowd. And then, Okay, let's go back upstairs before people throw rotten vegetables down at these these guys. 
Uh, he yeah, is talking like a teammate missing his team. How much you want to read into it? I don't know. I think he was really amped up for this season. I think we were going to watch probably an MVP type season from Aaron Rodgers, given how much he wanted this, this new start, fresh start embraced by the city. And I mean, holy mama, has it gone down a slippery slope since, but I didn't mean to interrupt. You can keep, you can keep going. No, I, I don't doubt that he wants to get out there and play. I just don't believe for a second that he cares about the Jets' well-being or Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson's well-being, or to get he can coach him on the sideline and wear the headset. I don't think he gives a crap about any of that. I think he misses being there. So the spot they run hard knocks together, man. He could have bonded. I I, showed him how to hit on older ladies. He he wants to be the center of attention. Aaron Rodgers' age, you know. He wants the headlines, and I think. Probably not as much, but I think he wants to go there, have a good performance as the Jets quarterbacks. We can stick it to the Green Bay Packers. That's probably why they got along so well. Yeah. Zach Wilson likes some Aaron Rodgers' age. Aaron Rodgers likes some Zach Wilson's age. Yeah. So, Faxo, going to the bar. It's funny. Barrel, my friend. Funny turning on the fan in the morning, Boomer and Gia listening to them. Just feel Jets caller after Jets caller after Jets caller. Zach Wilson, it's 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 clear he's he's not the guy. Um and now they're turning on Rob Sala, which Yeah, I don't I'm gonna he, go ahead, go ahead. No, I just I, I I don't think he's the guy either. Again, I don't know what they expect to do. The second Aaron Rodgers went down, your season was done. Trevor Simeon's coming in. What are they gonna use him for? Is that just gonna be some like uh some challenge to Zach Wilson in practice during the week. Do they plan on starting him? Rob Sala again has said time after time in the last week or two that, that Zach Wilson is their guy going forward. The Jets season and any aspirations they've had or of being successful were gone after that injury. So now it's essentially, I think Rob Sala throwing Zach Wilson out there to let Zach Wilson be the punching bag. If he plays well, he plays well, and all Jets fans and coaching staff are happy. If not, he gets to be the punching bag, and instead of putting the pressure on the coaching staff in the front office, they can say, well, Zach Wilson's just a terrible quarterback, and that's why ultimately our season went nowhere after the Aaron Rodgers injury. That's what it looks like to me, Dan. Yeah, you started this saying that you have to eat some crow. I have to eat some crow. I literally labeled an episode of this podcast that Jets scared the shit out of me. Why? Because of what they did and how they performed against a Bills team who I thought was still the favorite, still King Honcho in this division. And they toyed around with Josh Allen and made him look like a fool. And they didn't do much offensively. They were conservative as hell. But Zach Wilson had to make one play. And Garrett Wilson helped him out tremendously on that play, but he made the one play. And then they get some big luck with the kick return. They win that game. I'm like, huh, I'm running high. I took the Jets to cover in Dallas. Why? Because I thought it would be a gritty... Hard-fought and defensive game. Boy, was I wrong. For the Jets, it was. The Jets, it was all defense. They had That's all that they got to see was defense because their defense was just barely on the field as Dallas went up and down, not doing anything. No bother. What do I do next week? Let's ride them again. You're going back home. Okay, Dallas, they look like world beaters. They just shut out the Giants. Now they beat the crap out of you. You're going home. Crappy environment. Mud, well, not going to be muddy. It's turf. Rainy. Cold, wet, bleh, typical Northeast game. 
bitter rival New England. You haven't beaten these guys in however many t- chances, 11 or 12 coming into the game. You're getting three points at home. And what happens, Matt? You look like doo-doo. And not only do you look like doo-doo, but you give up a safety with under two minutes to go to make the game 15 to 10. You don't cover. Your boy doesn't get a point in the pick here in our stupid podcast that we do. And I've had it. Zach Wilson is not the guy. I've heard people trying to actually defend him. When I go on YouTube and I'm seeing clips or I actually try to watch the Pat McAfee show every day because it kind of lines up with me being at work and leaving for work middle of the day right before my show starts. They have Orlovsky on once a week. He was defending him to the bitter end, saying that it's not Zach Wilson's fault. It looks like the Jets aren't giving him any confidence. It looks like he doesn't have the confidence to make the throws. What the hell does that mean? The Jets aren't giving him confidence? Are the Jets telling him to do something and he's overthinking things? This sounds like Justin Fields blaming his coaching staff that he's a bad quarterback. I can't sit here and defend Zach Wilson's play. It looks like straight up doo-doo. You know that big bucket from the Chappelle show where Dave Chappelle is being R. Kelly and he's spraying the women? Yeah, bucket of doo-doo. That's Zach Wilson. He doesn't belong in this league. I think this year was supposed to be him sitting behind Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers goes out and has a possible MVP season. Zach Wilson learns a ton about how to be in the NFL, how to quarterback, and maybe he finds a home elsewhere, or he's a late 20s quarterback taking over for Aaron Rodgers when he inevitably retires. I don't really see that. I see him you know, finding a home somewhere, getting his bag, as the kids say. And being a backup or being a guy here or there to a filler, better quarterback. He's been thrust right back into the Wolves. But what doesn't make sense is he's got better running backs, better receivers, better offensive line. One of the best defenses in football to back up the offense. And he sucks. The Jets suck. I can't really laugh because I feel bad. It's funny watching the Jets fans, Fireman Ed, having to wait an hour to record his video in his car that he's sick about what's happening. Changes need to be made. That dude that lost his teeth yelling in the crowd. It's just all Jets. It screams Jets. It screams, little brother, shut up. This is why I've always hated the Jets, because they get so much attention. They get, uh, blah, and it all goes back. Joe Namath pointing at the, blah, blah, blah. Our fathers weren't either born or tiny little children. When that happened, we're now adults of our own. D- don't talk about Joe Namath to me anymore. So I I don't know. I'm fed up hearing about the Jets. And I can't believe that I rode them. I can't believe that I backed them and said that Zach Wilson can do enough. He can do enough. He can't do diddly. And I'm off. They're done. They're on the Dunzo list. We're done. And and that was that was what I wanted to crow about because I remember I said Zach Wilson's back. Exactly what I said, exactly what you just said. He's back. He has another chance. People are excited, at least before he took the field. I think people were excited for the most part. Jets fans were fairly excited or fairly optimistic, I should say. 
because maybe when he was the jet starter before, he didn't have those weapons. Now he does, and it didn't. It hasn't made a difference. No, it's uh, he looks the exact same. It's it's unbelievable, and I, I feel see. bad for him because it's it's it, it's you know you get to the point where you have to blame him, but it, I mean I he's been thrust into a terrible situation. He is in the wrong state to be a quarterback when things are going terribly wrong, and I don't know. Yep. No, but, and, and he's here. I also. I don't. I don't understand the attacking for Rob Robert Sala either. I don't. How is this his fault? He has to do everything he can to back his quarterback, to back the guys in that locker room. Now I'm not listening to his press conferences or his radio interviews or whatever it is, so I don't know exactly the messaging he's giving. But what do you want him to do? Come out and act like a fan and just take a giant turd all over Zach Wilson? Like, ah, oh, now this guy sucks. Uh, we got people calling us up. We're gonna try to go get Philip Rivers while he's coaching high school football. Matt Ryan's going to come out of the uh, broadcasting booth. Uh, I don't know who else is available. RG3, he said he wants to come back and play in the NFL on first take. So why don't you come try out for us? Like, what are we talking about? How many of these guys are actually in football shape? We have no idea. They also don't know the team, don't know the offense. This isn't like these guys come in and, oh, poof, magic, Jets are good again. Like, what, what are we talking about? And the the other thing that is crazy to me, where I understand it. Jets are in win now mode. You got these weapons. You got this defense. There's a lot of young guys on this team. You don't have to necessarily win this year. And newsflash, even if you had Aaron Rodgers, your division is stacked. And even more so seeing what Miami is this year. Because that was the one team not a lot of people talked about. You're also in the AFC where the Steelers are better. The Ravens are better. The Bengals are Super Bowl contenders. Out West, Chiefs, you forget about them. Like, the AFC is stacked. Chargers, Raiders, they still suck. It's unfortunate. Broncos, dumpster fire disaster. It's unfortunate. But there are at least two teams in every division that I would put on par or better than the Jets coming into this season. That's really hard to overcome. So even with Aaron Rodgers, you needed a lot to happen. So don't, and I'm long winded way of saying these talks I'm hearing of going out and trading for Kirk Cousins. What the hell is the asking price for Minnesota to give up their quarterback? Because then if Minnesota does that, they're essentially throwing in the towel for this season. And they will either they will start some tanking operation to go and get one of the bevy of quarterbacks that is coming out in next year's draft. But what's the asking price for Kirk Cousins? I can't imagine it's like, oh yeah, just take him. We don't really want anything. Second round pick, maybe some cash. Take them off our hands. That's not going to happen. It's it's a it's a mess for the Jets, uh, and I, I felt bad for him for about thirty seconds after the injury. Um, and that's about it. And and you mentioned it, Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, I don't agree with you to the extent where you said that he doesn't have a place in the league. I think he does, but it's going to be a backup on a very bad team. Not right now. If this is what we see this year, he's not finding a home. There are much worse quarterbacks or backups and third stringers in the NFL than Zach Wilson. It's going to be completely Dennis, a blue mountain state type situation where he's a backup on some crap team. And he he's not better than Alex Moran, but he's Alex I, Moran. When given that shot, his third year was a damn fine quarterback. Don't you forget that. If I remembered Alex Moran's name until you said that I would have brought it up, but good job on you. Bring his name. 
Um, but he'll he'll be a backup. And and to your exact point, in two three years from now, good for Zach Wilson, Dennis, because you know what? At the end of the day, Zach Wilson's going to sit on his ass, be hated by Jets fans, be a no name in the NFL when it's said and done. But he will still close his eyes at night, go to bed at night, and make more money than you and I ever will for being absolutely terrible at his job and being a for the Houston Texans in three or four years. Like that's, and you know what? I would be extremely jealous of him. If an entire city wants to hate me and I still make millions of dollars to sit on my butt and throw a couple balls in training camp and practice, good on you, Zach Wilson. But you don't have it to be a starter in the NFL. That is for sure. And as of now, you are a starter in the NFL and the whole city of New York, at least the Jets fans, hate you. The Giants fans love you because it makes us just look a little bit better and takes all the negative publicity off of us, at least for the time being. Um, Dennis, until uh, before we get to T-Swift, do you have anything else to add on that? No. Not done. Um, just Dennis- mark it down. Just mark it down. Jets, first team in the 2023 season to make Dennis's Dunzo list. What does the Dunzo list mean, folks? It means we don't bet on them. It means the spread is going to have to be astronomically high for me to take the Jets moving forward. So that's no, that's fair. And and Dennis, just because just because you brought it up, um, let's talk about uh, Miss Taylor Swift, who uh, made an appearance at the Kansas City Chiefs game, uh, who is now apparently Travis Kelsey. Uh, shot his shot and uh is appearing to now be dating taylor swift my favorite video of the game was not taylor swift next to his mom and a bunch of randos jumping up and down when he got a touchdown my favorite video is after the game where whatever that hideous thing travis kelsey was wearing and he's walking out with taylor swift after the game you know where they were going and you know what was happening not soon after that so good for travis kelsey i assumed he was going to paint houses didn't it look like he had painting clothes on that he already painted the houses. Well, you you keep those clothes, you know, in case you got to repaint a room, something like that. These are my painting clothes, you know. Yeah, I, he I mean, look dressed for the occasion, but he it was definitely going to paint a house. Welcome to the NFL, Taylor Swift, and also welcome the international quote unquote Swifties mm. that flooding Twitter trying to find out the basic rules of the NFL that has gone viral. Fun fact too, because uh, I mean, one we'll, we can get into this, but. I can't stand this. I'm already sick and tired of it. I can't believe this is happening. But Fox uh, had, they lost ratings or I wish I saved the tweet. Their 4 p.m. games were down altogether across the board, viewership ratings. That included the Bears, Chiefs, and the Cowboys, Cardinals, which is weird when you think about it because Bears, Chiefs, two big brands. Dallas was losing to Arizona. Like, why weren't people watching? The one age group that saw positive gain was between females 12 years old to 18 years old. Every other demographic was down. So Swifties were in full force, man. They were watching. And not, not exactly knowing how the, uh, how the game works, but um, Dennis, I I, want to talk uh, college briefly and I want to talk fantasy briefly um, before we just, we're going to talk on T-Swift. We're not yeah. going to dissect this. I have nothing else to add to that. I feel like we're going to be behind on the podcast game if we don't. Lauren, what did you see? Uh, you see a Taylor <laughs> social media manager, Lauren? 
You see she's at the Chiefs game. Do you have any hard-hitting thoughts on that? Good for her, dude. Good for Travis Kelsey. Yep. Good for him. So what do you think uh, about that, how the Swifties, excuse me, don't know the rules of football? That's okay. More fans. It's fine. Any, uh, do you think it's going to last? or? They both seem really excited about it, so I'm happy for them. All right. There you have it. So, you know, time will tell, but I'm happy for them right now. So let them do what they do. Pop culture slash social media manager Lauren with the insight on Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I think we're going to need weekly, weekly updates. You know, it's a sad world when you ask someone for analysts involving or analysis involving football and they say the football player's name with a question mark after it. Travis Kelsey? Like, yep, you got it right. It's him. I'm Ron <laughs> Good for him, though. Shooting a shot. I mean, I saw <laughs> I saw one uh, meme where it was just a dude. Uh, if I can be as uh, PG as I can here, pitching a tent and laying on top of that tent was a script, and on top of it, it just said Travis Kelsey reading his script for the 2023 season. You understand where I'm, you understand? Get the paint the picture I'm painting here. At the script reading, uh, he was like, yes. Yeah, I'm, I, I am sick. I'm already sick and tired of this, though. Yeah. Um, I will never understand how Taylor Schwartz is as possible is as popular as she is. I, I don't miss. I don't miss. I, I, oh, God. Yeah. The, the cat is sitting right next to me and we're uh, collectively losing our Cat's getting pissed. Cat's a Swifty. She's laying in a box uh, that is way too small for her body. Um, I'll send you a picture. Um, Dennis, uh, and, and really quick before we get into the picks, um, I do want to talk. We talk about fantasy here and there. Um, I lost in every every league I was in, and I attribute that to uh, me making the mistake of picking Saquon Barkley in every single team um, and he was out, and then I lose in all three leagues. Dennis, a.k.a. Booby Bonanza, um, having another good, good year uh, so far. Um, Dennis, what are your initial thoughts, uh, for better or worse, and how the season has gone thus far for uh, the fantasy players of the world? Uh, well, I mean, for your boy, the dynasty continues to roll on. We're trying to repeat one back to back. Then we took a couple of years off, but you know, some it's some boo boos along the way, but hey, hung in there. Uh, and defending champ this year off to a 3 0 start. Um, is it all because of my boy Jalen Hurts? Not all. But the vast majority, he holds the team together. He's the glue. He's the glue guy. Okay. So yeah, good start for you, boy. Um, shout out Miami. Devon A Chain, which I'm seeing this now that he wants to change his name, and he wants his. Per- He's from Texas A&M. All of last year, in the last two years, everyone pronounced his name Devon A Chain. Now it is spelled A C H A N E, so like A Chan, but. It, everyone pronounced it A-Chain. He even, when entering the NFL, put an apostrophe after the E in his first name because he never had that. So now it literally reads Devon rather than just having it spelt out. I guess people could have made the mistake and call him Devin or Devon. I don't, I don't know. Either way. But some people, and Adam Schefter was one of them reporting, the Miami Dolphins media guide says A-Chain with the... Uh, 
phonetic phonetic spelling of it. There are reports now that he wants Achan, Achan, Achan. I don't know. I'm calling him the. De- De- I'm calling him Devon Achan. That's what I'm calling him. Tip of the cat, my friend. Don't know if people out there in their dynasty leagues. He was like a middle of the road pick because you don't know what's going on in Miami. Hot waiver wire pick this week, obviously for a lot of folks. But uh, some of these rookies, man, Puka for the Rams. He's kind of come back down to earth, but hell of a start to the season. A chain. I'm all about the rookies. How about CJ Stroud? I don't know if anyone's rolling with him in their fantasy leagues, but hell of a game against Jacksonville. Jacksonville, another team, a lot of real problems going on there. Apparently people are upset about Doug Peterson, whether he's calling the plays or not. I don't know. Things are looking a little dicey down there in J-Town. Um, I don't really have anything hard-hitting fantasy-wise. I'm pretty convinced that, yeah, again, I, it's, I, right out the if gate. He asked me for fantasy and I just went all rookies because college football, but. Right out the gate, I just don't have a good feeling about my team. 0-3. Yeah, first, you suck. First two weeks were hit or miss. This week was bad. And again, no Waddle, no Barkley. I'm just kind of like pulling guys off the waiver wire and flipping a coin, hoping it clicks. And it's not not clicking. It's just clicking for who I'm playing more than it's clicking for me. So definitely not a a championship year, more than likely not a playoff year. I think it's unfortunate because I was super excited to be back in the league. I made the playoffs the one year I was in it, but this, uh, the rest of the year, I think for me is essentially going to be an effort to not come in last. Um, So barring, barring my team as a complete turnaround in the next couple weeks, that will probably be where my goal uh, will be to just do everything I can and not come in last. I mean, I I keep the head up, man. Chin up, head up. You know, there's but, not too many things in this world that could really start a fire in your pants than having to avoid taking off your pants for a group of men Labor Day weekend. So, you know, you know that would be more of a punishment for you. And guys. you were there. Pants do come off. So it would be more of a punishment for you guys than it would be for me. Let's put it that way. Um. I doubt that very much. No, I don't. Yeah, no, I, I, I would. That's what I'm trying to avoid. I, I'd be a good sport about it. I'd be like Joe Sorty was this year or this past year. Yeah, and just one struck. of the best. But I plan on since it's probably certain I'm not winning the league this year. Um, not as certain that I won't make the playoffs, but I'm pretty confident I won't make the playoffs. So, uh, assuming I go 0 and 4, which I'm expecting. Um, my goal will be to just not come in last. Um, Dennis, uh, I give the mic over to you. I do briefly want to talk college before we wrap things up, but if you want to give us a recap, um, who's in the lead, who's in last, pick-wise, UI, peanut gallery, what's going on? Uh, the peanut gallery is dominating, uh, in fact, and I did, to make this easier, write out the leaderboard in a more, uh, you know, easier way to, Read this thing through. If I can find out in my notes where I picked it. All right. So uh after three weeks, he who should not be named, L Skill, still leading. He's 16 and four. Very solid week last week. Uh hitting his lock, which was New England, and going five and one total. The one L on the scoreboard was Minnesota. That game and the Saints Packers game killed a lot of people. Shout out, number one fan of the podcast, Nick Burns. It's been a rough go for their fellow. Rough go. 
just three correct answers through the first two weeks. The boy hit a hundo, 100% last week. Brings the record up to 11-9. and nine. Crazy way you can do. Also hit his lock, well, obviously, because he's got every pick correct. Um, standings go as follow. Ellis at 16-4. and four. The great Mike Osa at 14-6. and six. Having a nice, quiet year. Uh, steady pat you know, each week. Nothing crazy. Only one loss last week went with the Giants. We'll see if anyone decides to back the Giants from here on out. But he, he's been he's been pretty steady going through uh, the first three weeks of the year. Followed by Greg, thirteen and eight. Nick, eleven and nine. As I mentioned, Matt, you nine and ten. This is where we all kind of get around the same. Basically, judging by winning percentage here, you are nine and ten. Followed by Kyle, nine and eleven. Myself at nine and twelve. And old Steve Salvo, the Italian stallion, coming in at last, eight and twelve. He's the only one. Uh, I believe the only one to lose his lock last week. Yes, he is. The only one to lose his lock last week was Steven Salvo. Picked uh, his Dirty Birds, the Atlanta Falcons. They got steamrolled by Detroit. Yeah, I don't know why I did that. It was only a three-point spread, but eh. Salvo, if you're listening, I wish you could see my face. Like, I mean, hey. hey I mean, you got you to gotta roll with your team. We have been stupid enough to do that every week of the season so far, you includingly locked them against Arizona. So I understand where he's coming from, but you know, there's, there's going for your team, but then there's locking your team. You locked your, you locked the giants two weeks ago. Against Dallas. No, against Arizona. Yeah. Which I thought that was, that was reasonable. Okay. He thinks this is reasonable. I don't know. Reasonable. The Atlanta Falcons are not as, or at least going into it, maybe afterwards they might be, but going into it, the Atlanta Falcons were not as bad as the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. Hopefully uh, we get some better numbers, some better games this week. Obviously the Green Bay-New Orleans game killed a ton of people with uh, Green Bay the two-point favorite. They only won by one, so that was huge. Uh, and then obviously Minnesota – what a shot. That was a that was a Chargers minus one going to that game. So essentially a pick 'em. Minnesota had an opportunity to score late uh after the Chargers for some reason decided to go for fourth down. Go for it on fourth down on their own like 30 yard line. The Chargers tried the Charger. They did. Minnesota wasn't good enough. So that's where it's out. We should have a fun week though, Matt. We got one in London. Oh, foggy London town. There's a little football, ain't it? It's a little football. A bunch of wankers out there, bloody yeah. wankers. Hitting up the pitch. I watched Ted Lasso. They're gonna go to the pitch. Add themselves a game, yeah. Dennis, we will. We will. Add themselves a, a warm pint. Mm. Nothing better uh, than warm beer. Again, we are back to the two-game format of Matt and Dennis. So we uh, mean to talk about the night that we'll record on the second show. Um, coming up uh, this week, where we will do our NFL picks with. Dennis, myself, the peanut gallery, we will go through um, the picks for the upcoming week, and obviously we will preview what will be Giants, Seattle Seahawks, in the Meadowlands, Monday Night Football. Um, we will talk about that and uh, all the games uh, the weekend, go over picks and all that. So uh, he should not be named, and uh, he's sitting pretty right now. Um, so I'll also say Yankees officially eliminated out of playoff contention, beat the Boom, we talked about the Yankees, so uh, check that off. Um, and I didn't realize that he refers to himself as Ellis Passon. Um, so, uh, what's the, what's the name, Passon? The guy that the Jeff Passon, 
Yeah, Ellis referred to himself as Ellis Passon in the, the Giants group chat earlier today. Oh, all right. But if we want to do a baseball playoff breaking pre- news or something, I don't know. He just said if we want to do a baseball preview, we really? For- I I did see that comment. We're not going to talk baseball, but I have no idea what's going on in Major League Baseball. The Yankees didn't make the playoffs. I don't want to talk about it. If I don't want to talk about anything, Dennis is going to want to talk about it. All right, good. Go Those Orioles. I hope the Orioles win it all. I I agree with you with that actually. Um. So yeah, we'll talk about all that stuff. We'll talk Giants, uh, Giants preview of Seattle Monday Night Football. We'll go through the picks. We'll recap the standings one more time before we get into this upcoming week. Dennis, I want to end it on this. Before all my parlays, before all my fantasy sports, all went to absolute hell. I had a decent uh, afternoon where I won uh, a little over 120 bucks um, in parlays, mostly thanks to the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors, just shy of 3.30 in the morning, hitting a field goal to win the game over New Mexico State. Go Bows. Uh, it was a, a fun college weekend, obviously. My team, the Temple Owls, I was I was just happy to be in the building. Lost to Miami 41-7. Miami continues to roll on. Expect them to at least be close to 15th in the country. Uh, maybe somewhere 16-18 to 18 at the very least, even though it's a, a win against a crappy Temple team. The Miami offense continues to roll on. Um, which was funny because Duke also beat UConn, my dad's alma mater, by the exact same score, 41 7. Both uh, Florida both covering the spread, winning a parlay. Florida uh, survives a scare against Clemson, a team that's very much been hot and cold all year. Colorado, Deion Sanders, AKA Coach Prime, love to see it. Comes back down to planet Earth, gets absolutely whooped at the same time as the Temple game, 3 30 against the Oregon hey, Ducks. Man. Coach Prime was getting booed when he came out the womb. So he's 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 okay with this. Did you see that quote? Because he literally said that. <laughs> Nobody cares. Uh, Ohio State defeats the Notre Dame Fighting Irish the last second. That was also very enjoyable to watch. Uh, right at the last second, uh, they get in the end zone as time expired. So the Buckeyes beat the Irish. Some of those highlights uh, of the weekend. The Hawaii Rainbow Warriors again. I tried. I, I was trying to keep my eyes open. I was down the shore, watching it with my cousin. I went to bed probably shortly after two, and then I'm like, you know what? Had some drinks. I, I can't stay up. We're at the trailer. The rain's pouring. I'm like, this is a great time as any to fall asleep. This is very, very peaceful, very therapeutic. So what I did is I pulled up ESPN Radio Honolulu to listen to the Hawaii football broadcast because I couldn't find the stream. Fell asleep to it. I woke up at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. It's still dark, and I had no idea where I was. And I hear a random man talking next to my bed. I'm like, what the, who's here? Am I dreaming? I'm like, oh, wait, I am like kind of hungover, still kind of drunk. And I fell asleep with the Hawaii football or Hawaii Rainbow Warriors football broadcast on. Um, so they were doing the Hawaii uh, postgame show. And then I had enough energy with my eyes half open because I had to sleep with my contacts in to look at my phone, see Hawaii won at the last second on a field goal, and then I won my parlay, and then I went back to bed. That was my college football weekend, Dennis. The floor is yours. I only have two things to say. I'll keep it quick because I feel like we're going long on this episode. We usually try to keep it tight, but uh, we've kind of gone all over the place. Talk to, I think, you're, you know, good conversation, but two quick things to say. Um, One of the best Saturdays of college football I've experienced. I had a computer screen my tv computer and tablet like a little uh 
desktop monitor or whatever, well, 24 inch, whatever, with my TV, tablet, and my computer, four games going at once from literally 12 o'clock till the wee hours of the night. Was I feeling sauced up for Notre Dame, Ohio State? Of course. I planned my day around that to be amped up. Game lived up to every expectation that I had for it. You can't say that that was a bad football game because it almost felt like it had postseason to it. You were leaning on every offensive snap, every defensive hold. Notre Dame played their game. They played the game that they needed to to beat Ohio State. They didn't get into a track meet with them. They would have lost. Scary moment when Marvin Harrison Jr. went down because he's one of the most electric players in college football. He will be a top-five pick. He is the Jamar Chase kind of from a few years back. Justin Jefferson, like that elite level of he will be a top-five guy. Some team that needs a weapon, depending on how good the Houston Texans are. I don't know. Their receiver, their receiving crew looks pretty good though right now. You know, one of those teams though. Carolina, depending on where they got their quarterback. Now let's go get a wide receiver. Marvin Harrison's a bit. He's Heisman Trophy candidate. So scary moment when he went down. It looks like he's going to be fine. Marcus Freeman, what in God's green holy earth were you doing? Not one, but two plays with ten men on the field, and then the replay shows. Travion Henderson running to the exact spot where there would have been the 11th member of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish defense. I was sick. Like, to witness that again, I remember vividly in my mom's living room watching the Bush Push when I was first starting to fall in love with Notre Dame. They didn't cut the grass. They wanted to slow down USC. All of this stuff coming in. And then Reggie Bush pushes in Matt Leinart on the one-yard line to walk off a win. And to see something almost exactly like that happen again 10, 15-ish years later, I was sick, sick watching that because Notre Dame should have won that football game. And a bigger takeaway, which I know a lot of people have had, but that game showed a lot about how good this Notre Dame team is this year as opposed to how good Ohio State is. Ohio State is fine. Kyle McCord played an incredible game for a young quarterback in his first year going in that environment. He didn't make any mistakes. And that that last drive, getting them down the field, made some awesome decision-making. It shows why he's probably got a bright future for the Buckeyes. But you better, you better bring your freaking A game this week, going to Durham to play Duke. It sounds stupid. It's Duke football. They're a joke, but they're not a joke. Duke is legit this year. It's a night game. College game day will be there. Mike Elko has completely turned around that football program. They won nine games and went to a bowl last year. They beat now. We don't know what Clemson. Clemson looked good against Florida State, but they blew that game. They had opportunities. They whooped Clemson week one. They have looked real good on offense. Riley Leonard is the real deal. He is a legit starting quarterback in college football. Could find himself one day in the NFL. We'll see. He's kind of, he's got, you know, he's not one of these elite guys, but he's getting there. And they have a stout defense and they will do exactly what Notre Dame tried to do to Ohio state, not enter a track meet. The one negative I have from the Ohio state game, I don't understand why Sam, Sam Hartman wasn't given more, why he wasn't allowed to throw the ball more in the second half, open it up. It looked like they had opportunities. It looked like they were doing what they wanted to in the trenches to Ohio state, both, both offensively and defensively. Notre Dame's offensive line looked incredible. Now in Notre Dame, they will have a top 10 pick in Joe Alt in next year's draft. But Giants may be thinking he's a left tackle, you know, maybe, 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 no. Anyway, uh, so yeah, 
five, I think the spread's at like five and a half right now. I don't care if they cover that. You have to win this football game. The schedule gets dire going down the stretch. There are teams like Louisville that are undefeated. You have to play USC still. You still have to play Clemson. We don't know what Clemson is going to be. I assume they're just going to get better as the season goes on. I can't, they're not just going to throw in the towel and be done. So the schedule is brutal for Notre Dame. You have the one blemish. If they want to get to a college football playoff, they have to run the table. So you better bring your A game against Duke because I cannot believe that his his reasoning was that he didn't want to waste the time out and give up field position. Field position? They're on the one-yard line. They're only going to move it half a yard. They can't go anywhere further. So you're telling me you would take the half a yard over an entire other body being on the field? It made no sense. Sickening to watch. It's one of those things where we talk about in only Giants fashion. And it's Notre Dame fashion. It's one of these things, these one dumb little moments that separate Notre Dame from finally reaching that next tier. And it sucks. Because I wasn't aware when I decided to root for Notre Dame that everybody in the world hates them. Because they're one of these big popular brands like the Lakers and the Cowboys and the Yankees. It's we, were, we were bred into the Yankees. I chose Notre Dame. I didn't realize at the time what I was choosing. It's one of those things, and I give the business, like when you or, for example, he who shall not be named, give me the business about how Temple stinks and stuff. I'm like, listen. They do stink. They do. I'm not disagreeing with that. <laughs> but I'm saying I root for the hand that I was dealt. I root for the school that I went to. That's more than I can say about either of you guys. So, you know, that's the that's the school I was if I could have picked and choose a, a random team that was better, I probably would have. But I root for the school I went to. So, you know, Notre Dame is one of those where I'm going with this is Notre Dame is one of those schools that has a large fan base of people that are not in and around South Bend or Indiana. And like them because of the mystique and the prestige of the school that have absolutely nothing to do with the university, which is the same thing with Dallas Cowboys fans. They're, they have fans that are born and raised in the state of New Jersey and New York and Connecticut. And the Yankees have fans all over the country that have no family or friends in the New York metro area. So it's when you know what's when, weird to it, we talk about like Dallas. How come the Steelers don't get roped into that? There's Steelers fans all over this country. And did, yet... I think they did at one point, but the the best years of the Steelers were when you and I were a lot younger and we're not – social media is not a thing and all this. So I'm sure some of that occurred. I'm sure if the Steelers get big again, that'll that'll happen again. Same thing with the Miami Dolphins. They were big. They were great for nearly two decades. And the same thing with the Raiders. Same thing with the Miami Dolphins. Neither of them have been good for a minute, but I'm sure if they turn it up and start a, a dynasty all over again, you would hear that same thing. You you would hear that exact same thing. That's when when I travel, like when I lived in Michigan. When I now I live in Florida, and I like, oh, who do you like? Oh, I'm a Yankee fan. Like, oh, I'm like, it, it has nothing to do with the how many World Series they've won. Just that just how happened to be the city I live closest to. For the major league baseball, you know, that's the major league baseball team. That's who my family liked, dating back to my great grandparents. 
it has nothing i'm not from like texas and i love the yankees like that just was coincidentally the closest city to me so like when you when you don't live there you get that question asked a lot so that's that's people want to want notre dame to lose because people love them all over the country that are no way affiliated with the school and i'm not saying i'm not telling people to not like team scissors but that's you gotta expect that hate yeah no i i understand it it's just unfortunate that the hate is there but i've never really seen them do anything relevant since i've been rooting for them now fine went to a national title game they got their doors blown off against alabama went to two college football playoffs doors blown off so like you know I get it. And everyone complains, oh, Notre Dame, they get one loss, benefit of the doubt, the brand, the brand. Nobody talks, baby. What can I tell you? Nobody wants to watch your lame team. Who knows? He's Bumble. I'm going to watch Rudy and fall asleep to that right after we wrap this up. Also hilarious, too, that uh, two men in their late 80s could get head coaches so up in arms. One Ryan Day screaming at Lee Corso, or I'm sorry, uh, Lou Holtz. And then Jake Dickert, the Washington State head coach, in his press conference was screaming at Lee Corso because Lee Corso called the Washington State-Oregon State game the Nobody Wants Us Bowl. But that's literally what it is. They're the two remaining teams of the Pac-12 without a home. So I think Lee Corso at 88 and Lou Holtz at 86, or it might be reversed, they're able to trigger head coaches to the degree where they are screaming at reporters afterwards. Was, I, I thought that was funny. I, and, and I'll leave it at this. I think my, my favorite thing was when he responded and then they played it like in the studio and Lou Holtz is sitting there at the studio like, Lou, like, Lou Holtz, what do you think about this? And he goes, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> And they're like, all the captions were, Lou Holtz with the response to what's his name? He's just it's Oz coming out of the top. <laughs> uh, I was like, uh, cool. Um, anywho, Dennis, anything else to uh throw in on college? We'll wrap this thing up if nothing else. No, that is it. All right, um, folks, again, Giants played Thursday, so it made more sense last week to do the one episode. Uh, we're back to the two-week uh, episode. Giants playing a, a crap ton of more um, primetime games that personally I'm not a fan of because I don't like getting our ass kicked on national television. Um, Temple plays uh, Thursday night uh, against Tulsa on ESPN. So, again, another uh, one of my teams that I'll probably watch get, get my ass kicked on national television. So if anyone's listening and is bored, um, please don't throw on ESPN. Um, I don't think Tulsa's very good, but um, we're also. Yeah, I don't think they're very good either. Who's the Thursday night NFL game? Uh, the Thursday night NFL game will be. Oh, I don't know what it's showing up. That will be Detroit at Green Bay. That's actually a really good Thursday. Ooh, night. All right. On uh Amazon Prime Video. So you... I bet the Lions are favored in that game. Right? You'd have to... When's the last time Detroit would have been a favorite at Lambeau? Lambeau, I'll tell you in a second. Right? You gotta imagine Detroit's favored. Detroit's minus one and a half. So the fact that they're giving an away team the minus one and a half 
or pretty much the, the 50 50 so that's that's uh, something um yeah if you don't uh want to watch that if you don't want to watch a good divisional round watch temple tulsa no. seven on espn that's probably going to get much much better ratings um yeah still a lot a lot to get to we're almost halfway through the week a lot to get to we will again preview giant seahawks um we're going to take another look at the standings again as we go into the upcoming week uh, myself dennis peanut gallery will have all the 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 picks um up there ready to go and we'll get a little preview from dennis um on the uh, upcoming college football slate again yankees done out of the playoffs no more home games it, stupid can't wait till that's over so we can talk about aaron boone and, and no all that when's the season end this week uh this weekend or this upcoming week yeah i think it's yeah this weekend because this is the la- this is the last full week of september which is crazy Monday was our last home game, which was a, a rainout game against Arizona, where there were like twelve people there, um, and none of the stars played. They put young guys in. We won. That was cool, um, and we beat Toronto tonight. That's cool, for what it's worth. Um, Toronto so, streak. For anyone that wants to hear us talk about Yankees, wait till the season's over, and when the Giants are out of playoff contention, we'll start talking about that. Um, yeah, follow- we'll talk about the Yankees in February when we're quote-unquote excited for baseball being back yeah maybe that too um we're on twitter uh matt dennis pot again all previous episode links to all that are on there this upcoming episode will be on there as well and any episodes coming up in the future um look for that um next episode the preview and all that stuff nfl picks um by the time the weekend gets here um that's pretty much all i got um nothing to say about giant seahawks we'll save that and make you wait a few days um, for that one. So I'm just about good. Dennis, anything else? No, I just think people are probably on the edge of their seats waiting for our giant Seahawks preview. Sure they are, at least at least a handful. Don't fall. Stay on the edge of the seats. It's coming. Follow us. Subscribe. Do all that. Get our listenership up. So when people look at Matt and Dennis, they see our show on there and not uh, any other Matt and Dennis's that may may, may be out there in the, uh, the podcast sphere. Um, again, for my good friend, future groomsman, Mr. Dennis Vinci from our uh, Alexandria, Virginia offices. I'm Matt Scrano in our Orlando, Florida offices. We hope to talk to you next time. Again, Matt Dennis Pod, we're on there. We'll talk to you later in the week. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good week. Dennis. Adios.